Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with uh, Kevin Leonard, the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners here on Carolina Newsmakers. Uh, Kevin has uh, uh, been bringing us up to date on some of the things that are facing the counties, uh, the 100 counties of North Carolina. Uh, and uh, uh, we want to turn in this segment to talking a little bit about the duties and responsibilities and charges that the county commissioners have with regard to uh, education, the public school system, uh, the community colleges. Uh, this also, I guess, brings in uh, the topic of broadband access because that uh, can be considered a, an educational matter. Uh, and uh, that you still have some city and county school systems. Uh, there for a long time we had uh, uh, in counties that uh, uh, had more than one municipality, we had a number of school systems. Uh, there's been a lot of consolidation there. Where does that stand as far as how many city school systems still exist? So it's really interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I feel like there's a, a maybe 115 uh, local education, I don't know if it's agencies or not. I, I, miss, I don't know my acronym there, but LEAs. Um, it, it's kind of a misnomer about city schools. There's they're like two systems of, of schools. Um, and in some cases in counties, you have three, um, but they're technically all still funded the same way, but they they still have the, the city school name like Lexington city schools. And uh, you know, good history here, uh, which I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the expert on, but I, I do know somewhat about it is that you can look back to, you know, racial issues related to different school systems and uh, whether it's a city school or, a, you know, the, the traditional county, what they call the county school. Um, but that's a that's a an area of significant interest to me about, you know, the history of our school systems in the state of North Carolina. I won't delve into that too deeply, but I think as a history lesson to to the listeners about why counties are in, engaged and, and how they're engaged. And I mentioned this earlier in an earlier segment about what is the statutory responsibility of the county with the school systems? Because you have like, you know, uh, Wake County schools, et cetera, or Davidson County schools. Um, and, and, and that is back in the 1930s, uh, during the Great Depression, you had system units of government going bankrupt. Um, and, um, and North Carolina was a major leader uh, in the nation in terms of restructuring the systems of government. And, and that's why you will hear North Carolina referred to as the good government state. In the 1930s, the assembly looked at a study from the Brookings Institute at that time and adopted a significant amount of the recommendations in there. And some of those were a um, kind of divvying up of responsibilities between local government counties in this particular case uh, and the state government. And one of those distinctions is uh, that counties will be responsible for the infrastructure, um, mainly the, you know, in this particular case, the school buildings, the courthouses I've already mentioned, uh, et cetera. And then the state would take over responsibilities for the operation of those schools, uh, your teacher pay, uh, what you're doing, uh, sort of the textbooks and, and things such as such as that. Now, the ink wasn't even dry when that 
that law passed when the county started putting funding in operations because counties wanted to improve their school system. So they 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 um, put their own county funding in. And that, again, counties can raise some additional funds different ways, sales tax or, or property tax. And they took some of their, their money and supplemented the operational funding of their schools. Well, the state did the same thing as it related to building schools because you have disparities across the entire state about how schools were being built. So they started issuing bonds uh, for building a statewide school bond. And they did that about every 10 years um, from, say, the 19... 19- you know, 30s, started in really 20s, but up until um, the the 90s. And then the lottery came in and the lottery then helped to fund some some school capital. What is the relationship between the state board of education and the local board of education? Yep. So um, the state board, you know, sets standards um, for you know, educational standards and gives instructions. The The local school board of education, locally elected by the folks who, who live there in the county, they have impact on hiring the superintendent of the school system and then really giving the flavor of um, how the school system is run in, in that community or in that county. The states, it's my understanding that the state board gives set standards statewide so that there's a uniform standard of education in the state of North Carolina, but at the local level, they can spend those dollars um, that they receive in the way that they see fit in in that local community. And again, hire the superintendent. As the superintendent, uh, as as you can imagine, has a lot of influence on how the school system is run and operated there. Now, the county government will, uh, again, we talked about this a little earlier, budget not only the school buildings and where they're going to be built and how many and where uh, location wise, but they also put in operational funding too, to help supplement teacher salaries uh, and, uh, and operations. So that that's the nuts and bolts of how the county government, county commissioners interact with the school board uh, there um, on, on a local basis and how it sort of plays out at the state as, as well. Good question on the state school board. So basically, uh, the teacher salaries are paid by the state, but there is a supplement in many counties, if not all counties. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. And 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 I would say most counties. And and then y- you have you have some counties who um, you know who worry. We we going back to workforce issues um, about well, we we can't afford to give a supplement um, to to our our teachers as much as the county is doing next door. That's why it's really important for, I think, the state to to provide the level of teacher salaries uh, at an adequate level for all teachers across the state um, so we don't end up in a situation where counties are competing uh, with one another for workforce uh, we as have, well. We have a university uh, system with uh, campuses across the state, but we also have the community colleges, and they operate entirely different than the consolidated university or the uh, the uh, 16 campus university system. Uh, so uh, the counties, of course, uh, I guess, appoint the trustees to run the community college. Is that correct? They, they appoint some of them. Um, yes. Uh, there's, you know, the, the local community college board, the community county commissioners have some appointments to that, but I think also there are some state level appointments as well. And there's the president of the local community college 
They actually just had some major reform in the General Assembly this year about the state community college president and duties that he or she has to govern over the community college system. I'm, I don't feel like I'm probably the best to speak about all of that because I don't know the intricacies of, of those changes, but I do know that there was a, some pretty significant changes uh, there. Um, again, just like the public K-12 through school systems, the county commissioners in the state of North Carolina have some responsibilities for infrastructure, bricks and mortar spending at the community college level. Plus, as you mentioned, Don, they have an appointment to the local, the local community college board. And, and again, if you think about it, this makes sense. Just like the school board and the funding there and uh, that we believe, I believe, the, the association believes that, you know, the, the government closest to the people is the best level of government because they can react to the current events going on. They can um, uh, basically reflect their their community and their county and have influence. And so the state and this is, again, we're going back to advocacy, the state um, does, and we believe should more, uh, give more influence and ability to the local elective leaders to do that, to reflect what's going on in, in their community. Now, there are instances that we need to have standardized things across the state, like education, et cetera, um, public safety. Um, but there are also elements that you need to have um, some some flexibility. We have an amazing state. <laughs> we really do. I love our state, and we're we just we just uh, I think we do things really well in North Carolina. But Macon County in the mountains is not the same as Hyde County on the coast. You know, Ocracoke, the city of Ocracoke, in Hyde County, you can only get there by ferry. So they have they have a whole different set of issues than say Macon County or Cherokee County, where it takes you 30 minutes to get around the mountain uh, to, for, you know, it's really by the crow flies five miles, but it takes you 30 minutes to, to get around the mountain. So we have a lot of differences in our state in these counties um, and they're all required to deliver these same services, but they need to do it. They need to have the flexibility to do it in, in different ways. You know, we say this Don, a lot at our office and around our members, if you've been to one county, you've been to one county. Uh, and I, I can tell you that that's that's true. Having been to all of them, it's 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 great to see because they have they're so creative in how they approach things and, and create solutions to serve the people of North Carolina. Well, you know, we say this about a lot of uh, businesses. They're all the same, but they're all different. And I guess, Indeed. It's, yeah. Uh, broadband, broadband access is, uh, of course, also, I guess, falls into this area of uh, education, and that uh, continues to be a major target, uh, and we've made some progress there. So where do we stand on broadband access and its expansion? Thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. Um, so our, our past president, um, her name is Tracy Johnson, and she is a county commissioner from Washington County. Uh, she's been working on broadband for over 16 years, uh, trying to raise awareness to the fact that in her county, Washington County, they have little access to to high-speed broadband. You know, they might have some cell coverage on cell towers for your phone, and it might be spotty at best, but they have little to no high-speed fiber broadband. And uh, and 
I'll tell you right now, there has there's been no other time in the history of the United States and in, in the technology that we have that there have the, the amount of resources available to put fiber in the ground right now is amazing. Federal government um, has been pushing a lot of funding into this area. And North Carolina has been leading the way. We we have our the, one of the first broadband offices. The uh, deputy secretary Nate Denny is doing an amazing job of working with us, with counties and stakeholders, uh, to try to accelerate the ability to get broadband out there. And uh, and and so our association over the past year has been working to educate our members um, and work with the stakeholders to 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 get that fiber in the ground as soon as possible but we're running into those issues that i talked about earlier um and not getting enough fiber i mean they got to make the stuff um enough uh workers to put it in the ground um and then um you know making sure that we can do it in in such a timely fashion okay so that that's sort of the the nuts and bolts there of, of where we are but to the bigger issue of what what if we don't have broadband well COVID taught us that we, we have a problem, one, uh, and two, that with rem- with the ability to have Zoom and Teams and all these other new tools, people can work anywhere. And think about all those rural counties out there that have beautiful waterfront places, but in, in the eastern part or the mountain vistas that may not have broadband. A lot of people are moving all across the country, and they're looking for places that they can do their work anywhere. And so we are trying to to do the best we can to get that out there for economic development and education. Our guest um, is on, Kevin on Leonard. Uh, excuse me, Kevin. Our, our guest is Kevin Leonard, the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. We have one final segment. We want to talk about taxes and where the money comes from to fund all these duties and responsibilities. And we'll do that right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week 
giving us an education on how the counties of North Carolina work, what their duties and responsibilities are in serving this, the 10 uh, plus almost 11 million people that now live in the state of North Carolina. Uh, Kevin, uh, all of this stuff costs money, and uh, we uh, need revenue not only for the counties, but for the cities and, of course, for the state. So give us a picture of how money is raised here in North Carolina to run all these different uh, levels of government. Taxes, everyone's favorite subject matter, I'm, I'm sure. Um, happy to do that. You know, and it, it's funny, having done this job now for uh, 14 plus years, I think about taxes in a different way now. Um, let me let me line, I guess, outline for you in county government. Uh, well, let me start at state. State government, income tax, right? And then there's corporate tax. Uh, the, the They collect taxes in, in that fashion, an individual income tax and a corporate tax. And the assembly has been working uh, to reduce that tax burden whether it be income um, or whether it be uh, corporate and those mechanisms that they're working on their incentive in their stating incentivize uh, more economic development uh, if we have a lower tax burden etc um, that's up for debate you know I let other people debate you know that the tax policy at the state level at the county level but but purely that's the mechanisms by which they they collect taxes but at the county level the mechanisms are property tax and and sales tax the state also has sales tax too by the way i forgot to mention that um so the property tax if you own real property if you own a house or farmland etc any type of land real property then you're going to uh pay some level of property tax uh, there are different rates at which you would pay property tax um, given like if it's an ag agricultural property you might have a, a lesser tax rate etc it's called present use value but there there's a, that's a main revenue a staple and it makes sense if you think about it you're owning property the county government's providing services to protect that property whether it's protect you and and you know um you know from public safety standpoint but also fire we talked about that earlier and and protecting property so there's a property tax that helps feed some of those and a lot of those services uh, to to protect property and people who live in the in the county and the sales tax is uh, another main revenue stream for counties and the state so in the state of north carolina the state has a, a i think it's a 4.25% sales tax that's the base and then in each county, there are diff you can supplement that sort of, again, back to my layer cake analogy, there are additional quarter cents or whole cent um, add-ons to that 4%. And the highest in the state that you could get in, in, in a county, I think, is like 7.75%. And there's some, it gets really more detailed than that uh, in, in the specific taxes. But that's, those are the major uh, revenue sources. And why I think differently about it now is because I look at all the things that counties do with that tax dollar. And they're very, you know, from my experience, county commissioners are very concentrated on using those dollars very wisely to serve the people on those programs that they, they one, must do, the mandates through the statute and the discretionary services that they have. So they, they turn around, spend those dollars. And, and again, some of them are obligated, like the schools. Um, they, they mean they have to do those things. So 
So it's a balance. It's it's a truly a balance that they have before them to try to fund all the things they need to fund and do the things extra that the people want, given the sources of funding that they have. I I that's a, helpful, Don. I had a great uh, friend in Scotland County named Albert McMillan, who was county board chair about 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And every time someone would bring up a service that they wanted, Albert would look at him and say, I am willing to vote for anything that you're willing to fund. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's and, exactly right. That's and a good line. and uh, I thought that was a good explanation. And it did cause people to think because, uh, you know, there's not an infinite amount of money and it does have to be apportioned out. Well, let's, let's talk about a major change here uh, briefly, and that's Medicaid expansion, which uh, has gone into effect in North Carolina. And that's going to be a, a, a boom to some of our counties as far as uh, providing uh, health uh, care for a number of people. One of our top legislative issues this past year that our, by the way, our, our members vote on these. And, and uh, so all 100 counties get one vote in our process. And this was our, our top in our top three. And that was to support Medicaid expansion, especially in the rural counties, especially those rural hospitals, because it's going to expansion is going to be really critical uh, to saving some of those those rural hospitals and the rural care. Um, um, another subject matter you could delve into are the jails and folks who may be in, in jail who need treatment or, or care. Um, and and that's a whole other big big issue to, to discuss. But it, it is going to, to be a, a big issue. We're talking today, I think it's on the, the it, late November, December 1st is the day that uh, Medicaid expansion goes live, so uh, very soon, and uh, it will have a major impact. In our DSS offices, in, in a person who is going to be qualified for Medicaid must apply, and that application goes through a county DSS office, and they become what's termed eligible, and the eligibility criteria is set forth by the state that has to go through the process in a DSS office. And so that's actually from a, again, mechanics issue is something that a county does to uh, to qualify an individual for Medicaid. So right now our concentration is the workload in the DSS office related to Medicaid expansion. Um, it's a moment in time. It will, will get past that. Our counties uh, are, are, you know, preparing. They've been preparing the state and in coordination with the state. And um, and so that's where we are. And I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a major benefit to the people of the state of North Carolina and to uh, and to the counties uh, you, to have that expansion. You mentioned at the beginning of the program, you wanted to mention the opioid problem that we have in North Carolina and also a new project of your current president. So those are two subjects and I'm going to get out of the way and let you uh, bring those up. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate that time. So our current president uh, is Johnny Carswell from Burke County. Uh, he has a quite uh, a story, compelling story about about his personal experience. He lost a son uh, to a, an opioid uh, overdose and to substance use disorder. Um, he was sworn in as our president in August of, uh, of this year. And uh, each of our presidents has presidential initiative. I already mentioned Commissioner Johnson on broadband. Commissioner Carswell is focusing on, on the opioid uh, crisis. 
uh, with his personal story. And his presidential initiative is called One More Thing. And that comes out of him and his wife asking themselves, what what was the one more thing we could have done to save their their son? As I said, it's a pretty compelling story. And so he's he's challenged all the counties in the state of North Carolina and the county commissioners across the state. What's the one more thing that they can do to help save a person's life uh, who is struggling with substance use? Uh, and and so that's what we're working on this year. And the association's been engaged and involved in the uh, in the opioid settlement that just occurred uh, this past year or past couple of years. We worked very closely with Attorney General Josh Stein, um, and we, I believe, my my opinion, we have one of the best settlements in in the country in North Carolina as it relates to the division of the the settlement dollars coming in. They're going to the local level. The county government will receive about 85% of those funds directly spread out across the counties. And uh, in total, over 18 years, um, we will receive about $1.5 billion that will go directly towards the treatment of uh, of opioid addiction and substance use. These are things that are just critically important because I've spent a lot of time over the past several months looking at the subject, studying it, the mental health issues, the substance use issues, they're all tied to so many different things that impact every single person listening here. And whether you know it or not, whether you've had somebody in your life who's been going through this, or you're just a taxpayer. And it gets back to those conversations earlier, Don. We're spending so much money in the state on, on service, uh, treatment, and sometimes not but they're ending up in the jail system, in the human service system. And if we were to just take some time to spend some preventative care, uh, preventative treatment, not only are you saving people's lives and putting them back in a trajectory uh, to being, you know, contributing citizens, um, you're reducing the significant cost of, of government by taking a preventative approach to this. And so anyway, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about this. If your listeners are interested in the subject matter, I would direct them to our website uh, and look up one more thing uh, initiative. There's a lot of issues. There are a lot of uh, attention being paid to this right now and, and uh, happy to talk further with you about this or anybody who wants to, but uh, it's something we're, we're working on bringing attention, not only in North Carolina, but across the entire nation. Thank you, Don. Kevin, uh, thank you so much for this update. Uh, now, we've got about a minute and a half for you to answer this question. Uh, okay. Next week, uh, you will go back to work. So what are the top items on your current agenda for, the say, the next three months and then also maybe for the next year? You've got about a minute. Okay. So that, that's a um, – I'll take your challenge. So um, well, I mentioned the, the work we're doing in, in opioids, so, so there's that. Um, mental health, I think, is at the top of the list. Um, you know, mental mental health is, is such in behavioral health. There's so much going on in the state of North Carolina right, right now um, uh, about that. So we'll be spending a lot, a lot of time um, talking about that and working on on those issues. The General Assembly, you know, is getting ready to come back uh, into session. Um, 
when I say that, it sounds like it's next week. It's not. They're coming back in in May, uh, but that's right around the corner. And so we'll be working on those issues uh, and just getting ready for the session to come back, uh, to come back in, um, to talk about public school financing, uh, th- those those issues. You know, another another big thing that's uh, going on right now, Don, is cybersecurity. Uh, it's a big threat. So I'll stop right there because I could keep going, but I'll turn it back over to you and say thank you for the opportunity to be here. Well, thank you for the update. It's been great. Our program, of course, has been produced by Jason Kong. If you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do so by going to carolinanewsmakers.com and either hearing the entire broadcast or perhaps the segments that you might have missed. Kevin Leonard, thank you so much for being with us. Jason Cog will have another guest for us next week, and we'll look forward to being back with you on the same group of stations. Till next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.